Well, we're still here, so let's talk about it. Thanks so much for joining me again today. Today's episode is a tribute to Tux the Kitty Cat. But before that, I would like to talk to you about my Steel Magnolias experience. If you're familiar with the movie, it's about women who come together from different walks of life. They just spend time in the salon talking to one another, visiting with one another, gossiping about neighbors, etc. But then the beautiful part of this movie that makes me cry every single time is during times of trouble and each one of these women has gone through some tough situation. The women come together, hold hands, laugh, joke at each other, tease one another, but love each other fiercely. And they have each other's back, always. That is something that I think was so powerful for me. Now, in the interest of research, of course, I watched the movie again just to make sure I understood which parts I really wanted to share in the context of today's podcast. The part that came to me was the funeral scene toward the end of the movie where one of the characters has died and the mother of this character is in despair, horrible grief, doesn't know what to do with herself, having been so devoted to her daughter over all the years. She wants to be in her own space, but the other women cannot leave the funeral. They see her there and they're drawn to her. They stand with her and then they start to do what a lot of us do in these situations. They try to make small talk, light of the situation, to help this woman unglue herself from the gravesite and move on with her day, basically, because that's what we all feel. We're so uncomfortable. We don't want to sit in this really awkward, painful space. And we want other people that we care about who we can see hurting to do the same thing. This woman couldn't. She needed to be there. She wanted to be connected as long as she possibly could to her daughter, even though her daughter had died. So one of the women starts talking about God and how she would pray to God and where her daughter is right now and how that should be such a wonderful thing and how you should be joyful. But the mother isn't ready to hear that. As a matter of fact, she says, that's great for you, basically, but uh, maybe I'm selfish. I'm not ready to do that. And the other women still sit there and they're not really sure how to proceed. So they're just quiet. But then, as happens, someone else says, says something else and And she realizes the mom here says, men are supposed to be made of steel. I sat with my daughter. My husband left. Her husband left. It was just me and my daughter. She drifted into my life, just me and her. And she drifted out the same way, just me and her. And the mother went on talking about how, you know, she's all hooked up to these machines. But at the time of her daughter's death, after they had decided to unplug her machines, All there was was peace, no noise from the machines, just peace. That was such a beautiful moment, and it definitely brings tears to my eyes because sometimes the last thing we feel at death is peace. The mom character actually displays this uh, in part of the movie where she starts to shake her head, and I'm just going to confess, 
that the actress is Sally Field. And if you have ever watched uh, some of her movies during very emotional times, she shakes her head in a way almost to shake the bad feelings out of her head. I have always been so impressed by her because she does express herself so well as an actress, which, hello, she's amazing. But anyway, she's shaking her head saying, I just wish somebody would tell it to my heart. I know what my mind says I should do. My heart does not feel the same way. And then someone else will come up to her and put a hand on her. And she would say, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Five I'm fines before she just loses control. This control that she has had all along. She says, I just want to hit something. So what happens? The other character brings, I don't know what you want to call her, the punching bag character in this movie. And she says, well, hit her. Everyone just kind of looks, including the woman who is being offered up as a punching bag. What are you talking about? Are you crazy? I can't just no, no, I'm not, I'm not your punching bag, you know, and no way are you gonna let, let her hit me. Sally Field's character starts to laugh, and then they all start to laugh, and suddenly that moment of, of just, ah, what's the word? Immobilization, immobilizing grief has been broken, and there's a little bit of joy in the darkest day of this woman's life. And there they were together, friends. And then, of course, the mom, Sally Field's character, says, well, you know, basically I got to go. Got to get back to it. There's people waiting for me. I have to get back into life and the expectations that people have on me uh, as the grieving mother. I've got to go put on that, that mask now. They just, you know, anyone got a mirror? Yeah, I've got a mirror. Hey, got this, got that. And they're laughing all the way down uh, to the vehicles. The last part that I want to bring out about that is the men in these women's lives. They're all walking to the car, preparing to go to the wake. And one by one, each woman looks at the mom, Sally Field's character, and they know they can't leave. They have got to go to her side. And you see the men. They don't understand it, but they know that they're powerless to try to encourage them to stay. And one by one, they get into their car and they wait. So you guys have heard me mention this phrase that I coined, the whimsy and tears. And I think that this movie really does exemplify that phrase. Through the worst grief ever, there is laughter. There's another part at the very end of the movie where Sally Field goes to retrieve her grandson, who someone else is caring for. She sees the grandson, the woman puts the child on the ground, and the child walks to his grandma. And the joy that overtook Sally Field's face in that moment just again shows that even in the darkest times, it's possible to have whimsy and tears, this idea of joy in the midst of pain. That was such a beautiful, poignant part of the film. And there's more beyond that, uh, but I suggest... You go watch the movie and find those parts for yourself that resonate. Find your own whimsy and tears. Find your own immobilizing grief and how it can be broken with someone who really loves and cares about you and knows how to intervene when it's needed. So now, tucks 
This is a tribute to Tux the cat. Actually, he's a kitten. He was a kitten. So it was Saturday and I was at the salon. I'm getting my hair colored again because I can't stand to go gray. And it was a packed house because it's a Saturday. The uh, stylist and I were talking about what to do with my hair next. As she was stepping away to prepare the color, she stopped over at the main desk there. And, you know, that's where there seemed to be a lot of action happening. And, of course, I didn't know what was happening. But when she came back, she explained that the other stylist had found a kitten in a box and brought the kitten to the salon to care for and take home because it to the woman she said oh, she's this kitten's probably been abandoned she took the kitten she was watching over the kitten my stylist was watching over the kitten other stylists were coming to look at the kitten couple of customers etc so then the, my stylist comes over and she is starting to apply color to my hair if any of you know what this means uh, they separate your pieces of hair they put a piece of foil they put on the color it's kind of a long process so she was about a third of the way done when the cat started screeching apparently according to all the voices saying this cat's having a seizure he's having a seizure he's having a seizure and the cat began to squeal it was heartbreaking to hear all activity in the shop seemed to stop at that moment. Some people rushed to the kitty cat and were trying to stroke it to calm it down and to help it through the seizure. My stylist was one of them. I'm watching this unfold out of the corner of my eye because they're behind me and I'm looking at my one-third done hair. I hear this cat needs a vet. This cat needs medical care immediately. We don't know what to do. So I pick up my phone and I think, who can I call? Who would know the answer to this question of how to take care of this kitty? So I made the call. I got a reference to call somebody else who then told me to call somebody else. And ultimately, I got a hold of animal control. And they offered to come over and get the cat or at least assess the cat and decide what we wanted to do. This is not my cat. I did not find this cat. I did not claim to want to take care of this cat. But I saw a way to be helpful, so I did it. What I did not expect was that the woman who had found the cat and brought her to the salon did not look very excited about the fact that I had called on animal control. I don't know if that's true. She never said anything to me, but the look on her face gave me this feeling that I had made a huge mistake. So as I sat there with one third of my hair done, and then finally one half of my hair done, waiting for the animal control officer and my stylist running back and forth, taking care of the kitten, I began to doubt my actions. I began to wonder if I should have intervened at all. Maybe I should have just kept my mouth shut. Maybe I should have just scrolled through my phone and ignored what was going on around me. I couldn't. I couldn't because... I saw despair, I saw chaos, I saw sadness, and I heard this little kitten struggling. I could not do nothing. I decided at that moment that I was willing to take whatever heat I got from the decision I had made, but that I would not interfere any further. So I sat there with half my hair done for another I don't know how long you know, kind of weighed, what are my choices here? I can ask her to rinse me out and I can get on my way and be done with this. I could sit here with half my hair colored 
and let the dye do whatever the dye and the chemicals do and potentially lose half of my hair. I, I, I didn't know. So I waited a little bit longer. I prayed that the little kitten would be okay and that the people that were caring for him wouldn't hate me. And I decided that if I needed to go bald on behalf of this kitty, I would do it. So then logic took over and I decided rather to walk up to my stylist just very quietly and say, is it okay that this color has been on my hair this long? She said, oh, it's fine. She explained that it wasn't a dangerous color, that it would be totally fine. And then I went and sat down and waited a little longer. When animal control came, they uh, were able to assess the kitty. They could not obviously determine whether the cat had had a seizure, uh, but really what the stylist wanted was to know what's the next step. The uh, animal control officer was there for quite a while and picked up the cat, kind of gave it a quick assessment, reassured the people uh, standing around that the cat looked maybe even older than four weeks, but that he didn't appear to be imminently dying. So that brought a little bit of elevation to a very dark mood, and uh, people had a sense of relief, I think, is what I saw. For myself, here we go, whimsy and tears. As I was getting up to get rinsed off, finally after all the application of the hair color, the animal control officer was holding the kitten, and that kitten just did one of those kitty cat stretches that makes me smile every time I see it. And it was almost as though in that second, the kitty was saying, I'm okay. I feel good. I feel like I'm a kitty. And I was reassured enough. So I went and got my hair rinsed, and then she blow dried it and all this other stuff. And then I asked, could I just touch the little kitty's head? And they let me do that. So I scratched his little head and he was responsive and sweet. I left that salon looking amazing because my hairdresser is uh, very uh, conscientious and wants to make sure that she leaves the, her clients walking out of there amazing. <laughs> I sat in my car and I cried. I turned off the radio. I couldn't have any joy in that moment because the feeling of having interfered in a way that made somebody upset weighed on my heart. But I decided that I was just going to go home. I would just have a cup of tea and I would just let this feeling pass. The stylist ended up calling this little kitten Tux. And there was some discussion about who was going to take Tux home, who was going to be the owner of Tux. <sighs> so I checked in later to see how little Tux was doing. And I didn't get a response until the next day. Little Tux actually had died that evening. He was doing well after the seizure, but then within, she said, a few hours, he started vomiting again. And eventually his little body went limp, and that was the end of Little Tux. But in that second, when I got to see his little body stretching, and when I went in to peek on him one last time before I left, his little kitten body was curled up as kittens do with his head tucked in and his breathing looked great and he really did look like he was going to make it. It's very sad that he didn't. And for all the people who put in so much effort that day, I don't think they thought that their efforts were in vain. I don't think anyone in that room felt bad about taking time out of their day to be with this little kitty, to support the people around this little kitty, to be grateful for that officer who came immediately to respond to the call for help. It was in that moment 
that I was able to let go of the guilt or whatever you want to call it for interfering. Because whatever preconceived notions those people may have had about animal control, she was amazing. She took care of that kitten and she gave us all reassurance. It didn't come to the end that we had hoped, but for that little moment, seeing that little kitty cat being a kitty was so comforting and his little face will bring me joy for a long time. So as I uh, finish this message today, I just want to reiterate this importance of looking for the laughter, looking for the joy, not to erase or escape, just to recognize that it's possible to have joy and sadness in the same situation. One does not hide or cover the other. It's just the way our heart works. I'm thankful you listened today. Please visit my website and drop me a question or a topic for future discussion. Also, in the show notes, you'll find any reference materials such as names or book titles that I discussed in this podcast. Until next time, folks, take care.